Welcome. I'm Kevin Scott, one of the story architects of Star Wars The High Republic. This is Dominic Pace, who plays Gekko the Bounty Hunter from The Mandalorian. Hi, I'm Claudia Gray. I write Star Wars books. And you're listening. And you are listening to Star Wars Comics in Canon. The Force is strong with this one. Hello there and welcome to Star Wars Comics in Canon, your guide to the wider Star Wars canon through the comic book lens. And to take you on this journey, I'm your host, Mike Burton. And so brings episode 115. So my friends, this week I'm tackling four Star Wars comics from the 2020 run of Star Wars. Uh, These are going to be issues 26 to 29. Now I haven't done issue 25 yet on this feed. Obviously the prior issues were all done within Crimson Reign and War of the Bounty Hunters crossovers and then like one or two solo episodes. But I am going to be saving Star Wars 25, I think for maybe next week or the week after. It's going to be in the next few episodes just because there's a lot to go into there. It's like four short stories, lots of connections and stuff, but it doesn't push the main story on any further so i thought it'd be a good opportunity to do star wars 26 to 29 as obviously last week i just did the bounty hunters comics and then we'll see if i get the afra and vader comics delivered in the next week or two then i'll do those two if not i'll tackle star wars 25 and star wars revelations Now, if you haven't joined the show before, welcome. I hope you enjoy yourself. But in short, I go through the plot details of each of the comics in chronological order. And along the way, I give additional information on other stuff, including trivia I find interesting, connections to other content like species or planets or characters that reappear, those sorts of things. So it's kind of a good way to get an understanding of the canon from a comic perspective without having to pick up the comics themselves and read them. But if you have read them, they serve as a refresher and like an extended view to expand your understanding of the canon as a whole. Now, I mentioned War of the Bounty Hunters and Crimson Reign, so there were quite big crossover events. And then the third one, which is Hidden Empire, which is going to be the finale of the kind of Kira trilogy, or so we're told. And uh, I'm going to be tackling Hidden Empire once I've done, obviously, these comics and then the Darth Vader and Dr. Afra comics that are in between Crimson Reign and Hidden Empire. But I've noted in the description where the other episodes are to start. So if you want to start with the War of the Bounty Hunters crossover events, start with episode 60 and you can kind of go from there or just type in War of the Bounty Hunters comics in motion, however it works for you. But with that all in mind, let's get into the personnel and release info. So all of these issues were written by Charles Saul. Rachel Rosenberg was the colour artist on all of these issues. And then you've got Andres Genole, who is the artist for issues 26, 27 and 28. And then you've got Ramon Rosanas for issue 29. For issue 26 was released August 17th, 2022. Issue 29 was released November 2nd, 2022. And the trade paperback collection, due to be called Star Wars Volume 5, which should have all of these and also Star Wars number 25 in it, that is due to be released May 16th, 2023. And I will note that these comics take place after Empire Strikes Back, but before Return of the Jedi, so it's the year in between those two movies. And also it takes place after the War of the Bounty Hunters and the Crimson Rain crossover events, but before Hidden Empire. But with that all in mind, let's get into the crawl of issue 26. The Rebellion has made progress in its struggle to free the galaxy from Imperial rule. General Leia Organa has finally triumphed over the cruel Commander Zara who massacred multiple rebel squadrons. In another corner of the galaxy, Luke Skywalker sought out the secrets of the Jedi to improve his connection to the Force. His journey culminated in the discovery of a mysterious book linked to the Jedi. 
Despite this progress, the threat of the Empire looms as large as ever. In the wake of the crushing defeat on Hoth, the capture of Han Solo, and the slaughter at the hands of Commander Zara, the heroes of the Rebellion will need many more victories to weaken the Empire's grip over the galaxy. And to confirm, the timeline is three to four years after the Battle of Yavin, because Empire Strikes Back is three years after the Battle of Yavin, and Return of the Jedi is four years, so there you go, it's in that slot. So the story starts on Barleth, where the Imperials are celebrating Unity Day. Now, Barleth has the University of Barleth, which features quite a lot in the Afro comics. It's first in Afro 2016, but it's primarily in the 2020 run of Afro comics. It's where Dr. Afra studied, along with Sana Staros, Kofon Farris, Eustachia Ocker, and a few other people as well. It's also mentioned for the first time, actually, in Lando number one, because there is an Ugnaught professor called Corin Purs, who is a professor at the University of Barleth. So that's where we first heard about it. Now for this Imperial Unity Day parade, rebels show up and cause a lot of damage. So there are squadrons who just fly straight in, start destroying some of the ATSTs, the AT-80s, like shooting up and doing a lot of damage and whatnot, causing chaos, and it's all being broadcast across the galaxy because Unity Day was being recorded, and it's meant to show that the Alliance, the Rebel Alliance, still lives. It's meant to show that even though they were defeated at Hoth, they weren't as defeated as the Empire keeps saying they are, because the Imperial propaganda machine is basically churning out saying that the rebels have all been but defeated and this is a point to prove to the rest of the galaxy that do not give up hope and some of the people that were there you've obviously got luke there you've got the millennium falcon flown by lando and chewie you've got wedge antilles there and then you've got a handful of x-wings y-wings and a-wings there as well TIE fighters get launched to try and counteract the rebels, but they all leave and then jump into hyperspace before the Empire can fire a single shot at them. And so the rebels are incredibly thrilled by this. They get back to their base and they all celebrate. And someone called Ivan Verlaine asks Luke to show off his lightsaber again. He does it and everyone like rejoices because it's like a symbol of hope. Now Ivan Verlaine is someone that I actually tackled all the way back in episode 14 of Star Wars Comics in Canon. It's in the Princess Leia comics, which is a five issue miniseries, and that's where Ivan Verlaine comes into it. She does appear elsewhere. I think she appears in the Bloodline book as well, I think off the top of my head. She appears in a couple of books, but she's an Alderanian uh, and her whole kind of arc or her whole uh, conflict with Leia in those miniseries is that she believes that Leia hasn't really grieved and doesn't really seem to care that much about Alderaan given how she kind of was in A New Hope and it delves into that. So it's quite an interesting look into that. So if you want to listen to that, episode 14. So back to the story, it's confirmed that Leia planned this mission and she reports back to Admiral Akbar, Hera Syndulla and Mon Mothma, as well as Commodore Grek. Mon Mothma, she's obviously been in the Andor series quite a bit and she's featured quite a bit in live action but also in uh, Rebels and the Clone Wars and stuff. She's a senator, but at this point she's just a Rebel Alliance leader. Hera Syndulla, she's a Twi'lek. She is heavily featured in the Star Wars Rebels series, in fact she's one of the main characters in that. She appears in Star Wars Squadrons as well, in the uh, Alphabet Squadron trilogy as well and a few other places here and there. She's even appeared in the Afro comics, so she is around. And then obviously Admiral Akbar, he's the Mon Calamari, who says it's a trap, famously, in Return of the Jedi. But all of those, along with Leia, sort of discuss the next steps. The Rebellion wants to do similar missions, which is lots of small victories, showing the galaxy how vulnerable the Empire truly are. And Leia then talks about supplies, because Holdo is dealing with Kira for supplies. Holdo is Amelin Holdo. Uh, she's played by Laura Dern in The Last Jedi. She's the one who performs the famous Holdo maneuver where she travels at light speed in a Mon Calamari cruiser at the First Order ships and then destroys it and has some of the coolest cinematography in any Star Wars film that exists. 
guests is in that scene is absolutely phenomenal and she's a really cool character as well you get a lot more information about her in the Leia Princess of Alderaan book by Claudia Gray I really recommend that book Young Holdo is a little bit like Luna Lovegood it's it's brilliant and then Mon Mothma kind of finishes off the meeting by saying, yeah, it's going to be a long, slow road to be able to beat the Empire, you know, to get them to loosen their grip on the galaxy and get more systems to rally behind us. But we have time. Meanwhile, on an Imperial base named Second Sun, an ISB agent looks to review all of these black facilities, and this is the first one. So a black facility is basically a place the Empire does experimental stuff or dodgy things, stuff like that. And... An ISB agent is someone who works in the Imperial Security Bureau. So it's basically uh, the Imperial equivalent of the FBI. They basically go around and make sure that no one is trying to rebel against the Empire, but also a lot of the Empire is about Imperial citizens and people who work for the Empire being loyal. So a lot of the time the ISB also try and figure out if there's any defectors, if there's anyone who's basically talking down about the Empire, who's like saying negative things about Palpatine, anything like that, anyone who's causing mischief, the ISB are who get involved in that. And the best showing of the ISB we've had in canon so far has been in the Andor series so I recommend everyone goes check that out not only because it's arguably the best Star Wars live action content that's ever been created but also because it's really good if you want to find out more from the Imperial side. So on this base, the Moff welcomes this ISB agent and then walks her around and talks about security. They mention that there are dead drops when it comes to supplies. No one is allowed to leave the base until the project is completely finished. That means a lot of the Imperial officers and engineers and things have brought their entire families there. All communications are tracked. There's like scrambling codes that get changed twice a day. There's all kinds of things. The ISB agent isn't overly impressed by any of this and says, well, I need to go and check them all out right now just to make sure. One of the officers also notes that there are bounties offered to report transgressions. So if you see your colleague or co-worker doing something they shouldn't, you can report it to the Empire and then they'll get reprimanded and you'll get some sort of reward. So the ISB agent continues to look around and they are guided by Lieutenant Melton. Lieutenant Melton then sees or hears something, it's not clear what, and then it shows what his partner is doing. So his partner is someone called Bev, her full name is Bevelyn, and she is working as like an engineer of some sort or like in the warehouse, and she's shown to be really nice. She lets her co-workers, who are like her subordinates, off slightly early so they can go get a drink just by a couple minutes and says, look, if anyone raises any problems or any questions, come to me, I'll sort them out. So she's shown to be a good person. She then goes back to her room, and then you see that Melton is there waiting for her. It's confirmed that Melton got a comm from Kira to activate, so it shows that they are both Crimson Dawn agents, and they've been told by Kira to cause as much chaos for the Empire as possible. So Bev has a think and says, maybe we need to tell the rebels about this. And then Melton says, yeah, but if that had to happen, then we'd need to leave. And then I just want to read a small amount of an exchange between Bev and Melton. So here it is, and it starts with Melton. I already think I've got away. It's not about could we. It's about should we do it, knowing the risks. And Bev says, We started working with Kira because we didn't like where the Empire was headed. Everything Palpatine's done in the past few years has proven that to be the right call. This place more than anything. But still, this? We'd be risking everything. I know this is the quote from Melton that I think is really good. I think, once in a while, life gives you a moment to test your notions about who you think you actually are. Not just the things you tell others or yourself, but a chance to part everything else away and lay yourself bare, look yourself right in the eye. I think this is one of those. So Bevelyn, my life and love and heart, are we part of the Empire, this machine of death and despair and fear that it's become? And then she finishes his sentence by saying, or are we something else? 
And then it cuts to the ISB agent on that base who passes the facility upon inspection. She says they've just been doing basically a great job and now is going off to another place to inspect some stuff. So the agent gets aboard her shuttle, which is a Lambda-class shuttle, the standard sort of Imperial ones that you see quite a lot. I describe it as the uh, the box of three fins on it, one at the top, two in the bottom corners. And as this agent gets aboard, she's like, wait a minute, you're not my pilot. And then someone sneaks behind her and snaps her neck. And it turns out that was Bevelin. Uh, so Bevelin kills this person uh, and Melton was the person in the pilot chair. So this woman is dead and they then start the engines on the ship and start to fly away and they just check on their two young kids because both Melton and Bevelin are parents. So they check their kids who seem to be a little bit shaken up but hiding under a blanket and are fairly okay. And then the ship flies away and you get to see where it is they're working. And that is the Death Star 2. So my friends, that's the end of comic 26, so let's move on to the next issue, 27. So 27 starts with Melton and Bevelin's ship being hailed by the Death Star 2, trying to speak with the now-dead ISB agent. Bev answers and says that Sharon is doing a report to Coruscant, and then Melton notes that well, the Death Star 2 has incredible sensors for communication and knows exactly what's being sent and what's not. So now that you've just told them that she's doing a report sending to Coruscant and they detect that there is no data being transferred, they're going to be suspicious. And as he says that, it shows in the Death Star side that they are suspicious. So they scramble their TIE interceptors. Now, TIE Interceptors, you'd have seen them in Return of the Jedi. They're basically a standard TIE model that has a wider field of vision. They are much faster, and they have four laser cannons on each of the points of their wings, whereas like a standard TIE fighter has guns underneath the eyeball part. So obviously, most TIEs, it's a circle with two like lines on either side, hence the bow TIE nickname, even though TIE actually stands for Twin Ion Engine. But the TIE Interceptor, it's got like four points, it's a lot more sleek, and it's just a lot more of a dangerous vehicle, and it's just much more of a dangerous ship. So you would have seen them a lot, and as I said, they're in Return of the Jedi and quite a few other places as well. So Melton and Bev are then having issues, and they think that they're going to then comm to the Rebels. So they try and comm, and they manage to speak to someone a little bit, and they ask to exchange information for the safety and their lives. They managed to talk to a couple of rebels on a base on Pastille. Now, Pastille is actually mentioned in the Clone Wars episode called Rookies, which is, I think, one of the best episodes from season one of the Clone Wars. I believe it's episode five. It's also in one of the Clone Wars uh, webcomics, which is Legends. Uh, you get Rex and Cody is there. And actually in the Clone Wars Rookies episode, it references that as well, which is, is quite interesting. But yeah, uh, Pastille is a Clone Wars thing. So the Rebels receive this comm from this Imperial ship and it's saying that, you know, we've got information for you, just tell us where you are and we'll get it to you. They're a little bit unsure if they're Imperial spies or whatever, so they tell them to hold on. Melton and Bev's ship is still flying, but it is getting hit. And Melton says that he needs to prep just to go to a hyperspace jump. Uh, let's just use the previous coordinates that are in here just to get away from here. Then back at the Rebels, it shows that some of the higher-ups kind of receive this message. Now, Lando believes that this message is fake. You've got Lobot, who's plugged in nearby, and the operators decide to pass it up to Harrison Dula to get some final checks on it. While that's happening, it shows where the shuttle ended up. It went to the planet of Alderlean. Now, Alderlean is in the Darth Vader 2017 comics. It's in issues 2 to 5, so it's in the first full arc, and... It's in the story arc that shows how Darth Vader gets his red lightsaber. He fights uh, Kirak Infila, I think his name is, who does something called the Barish Vow, who he basically goes away and becomes a hermit. 
all that sort of stuff I tackled in episode 62 of Styles Comics and Canon, so I really recommend you check that out, or you can check it out in the Darth Vader playlist. Either way, I think the 2017 run of Darth Vader comics, also written by Charles Saul, are the best Star Wars comics out there and are some of the best pieces of Star Wars content you can actually read. So of all Star Wars comics, I always recommend people should start there. They're brilliant. Anyway, back to the story. So Bev, Melton and their two children on this shuttle near Aldaline. They fly towards Mount Pasval and then TIE fighters come out and start to fire upon them. So the shuttle then tries to evade and then does manage to jump to hyperspace once again and then comes out of hyperspace right near Coruscant. They figure that they must be being tracked so they decide to eject the shuttle part of the ship so it's like the front part was the nose as a sort of escape pod. It is smoking and is damaged but it is just about working. Melton manages to crash land the ship in the streets of Coruscant. They're all okay but then the ship starts to get surrounded by locals. Melton says to Bev to not take the blaster out so they go out there with their hands up and he just asks the crowd please help us and there are Imperial ships approaching and things we just need the kind of strangers and all of the crowds see the TIE fighters coming in and all just disperse and run away. Back at the rebel base and headquarters, Hera Syndulla confirms that there are three intelligence hits that they are going to be pursuing. Luke then raises his hand and asks about number five, which is referring to this one with Bev and Melton and things. Hera gives a brief description about it, and then he just says he feels something about it. Something is a kind of a good feeling, so he thinks they should pursue it. And that is where issue number 27 ends. So we now delve into issue number 28, the penultimate issue of this batch. And I will say, obviously, the last issue I did kind of skip by quite a lot. But these four issues are quite dialogue heavy. And there's a lot of really, really good dialogue about the rebellion, about Imperial defectors, about Crimson Dawn's kind of involvement in all of this. Really, really good dialogue in these. But obviously, I'm trying to give yourselves a good overview. So if you do pick up the comics, which I hugely recommend, I always tell people for every episode of the show, try and buy the comics if you can, or borrow them from a library, or use Marvel Unlimited and check them out. Just help support the creators in any way that you can and obviously buying them is a really great way to do so and the comic art looks absolutely incredible so I always always highly recommend those but yes let's delve into 28. So Luke is talking to Hera Syndulla and Commodore Grek and he just continues to say that something seemed important about the shuttle he feels like he wants to go and get it or see the people there or something and the rebels note that the shuttle appeared in two locations then appeared on Coruscant obviously Aldalim and then Mount Parsval. Meanwhile on Coruscant, that crowd disperses that was around their ship, so Melton, Bev and the two kids are just kind of standing outside the ship, wondering where to go next. Melton tells Bev and the kids to go and hide somewhere, he'll catch up to them but he needs to grab a couple things from the ship. So he goes to the ship, he grabs some medical supplies, some food rations and a couple of other things, and then he rigs the ship to explode, so there's no record of him or his family or anything like that. As he's kind of in there, rigging it to explode, some Imperials seem to notice, call out to him and tell him to exit the vehicle. So they then try to chase him, he manages to run away but the ship blows up really quickly, like just after that. He seems to have taken care of the Imperials that are pursuing them and Melton is relatively unharmed. He got blown to the floor a bit and is a bit scuffed but he's okay. So he's back there with his family and they discuss that they need to disappear as soon as possible. Back on Rebel Base, Luke manages to convince Commodore Grek and Hera to allow him to go to Coruscant. It is confirmed that Palpatine and Vader are both off doing something else elsewhere. That's, I think, noted in the Vader comics and stuff that I'll be tackling soon. And he's trying to convince them that he wants to go on this mission. They're saying to him, look, no, you can't. You're too valuable. You're like our only Jedi. You're incredible. There's no way we can fight Vader without you, all these sort of things. And Luke says, yes, but there's certain things that I can do that the Pathfinders, for example, can't do. There's one of me. I can do a really great job. I can be stealthy and I can do all these things. They're still a little bit unsure. And then Luke uses a little mind trick on Commodore Grek and Commodore Grek repeats back what Luke just said and Grek's like, wait, what? What just happened? No, wait, 
Luke, don't do that to me ever again. It's impressive that you did that, but do not do that again. Uh, so he seems to have convinced them. So he gets into uniform and then he's with two escorts. I think they were just flying the ship and are kind of ready to pick him up when he's uh, ready with this family. And one of the rebels says that he looks good in black. And he's like, oh, do I? Oh, okay, oh, I'll, I'll think about that. Obviously, in Return of the Jedi, we get to see him in his all black garbs, which he looks very cool in. And then Luke gives his lightsaber to one of the rebel escorts with him, says to stay with the ship. And they're like, are you sure you're not going to need this? And he's like, nope, I have other ways I can uh, convince the stormtroopers and things to give me what I want. So then it goes back to Melton, Bev and their kids. The family are in these sewers and they're running away from some Imperials that are pursuing them and they come across a Corridor Ghoul. Now Corridor Ghoul is not elsewhere in the canon but they are in a handful of Legends books, first in the book Assault on Salonia. They're basically like a monster dog kind of thing. In Legends they were blind, in this they have eyes and I don't know if they're blind or not, they don't look it, but they do look pretty horrendous. Like the little kid mistakenly thinks it's a dog initially and then sees it kind of growl at her and is like, oh no, that is definitely not a dog. I don't know how I would describe it, maybe almost like a hairless werewolf kind of, but like a lot skinnier, like a, a malnourished, dehydrated, hairless werewolf thing. That's kind of what this thing looks like. Very great artwork, but very unpleasant to think about if you saw it in real life. So the ghoul then like is in their way. It then barks or screams or whatever, does a horrible noise at the kid. And without hesitation, Bev just shoots it and kills it. They then start getting surrounded by more Imperials and the family managed to find one other exit that the Imperials didn't seem to notice. They go through that and they see a shadowy figure emerging and it's Luke calling out in an Imperial uniform. Bev immediately just starts shooting at him, obviously as one would in that situation, and he evades them all. He like jumps and does this kind of flailing arm movement and manages to just about evade getting shot. He also pulls the blast out of her hand with the force so it falls into the floor and then lands and is like, okay, I'm not here to kill you. You're the family, you know, I'm with the rebellion and stuff. Please don't shoot me again. And Bev is like how on earth did you just do that and he's like i've i guess i've got good reflexes and then before saying anything else to bev or to melton luke then squats down and starts speaking to the children and he asks if they're doing okay and if he can do anything to help them and things like that and i'm specifically flagging that element because upon some of my research online i found that charles saul specifically wrote that in there because of an interaction he had with mark hamill he was basically i think it was at a comic con or something along those lines and he met up with mark hamill and a couple of kids were nearby i don't know if it was saul's kids or whatever but they were kids generally with him and mark hamill just first addressed the children before addressing the adults or anything like that he crouched down looked at the children asked them if they're okay and like spoke to them before talking to the adults and soul said that he was just so touched by that he just wanted to put it in uh, writing so i just thought that was another nod uh, because you know mark hamill is an incredible individual and i just thought that was a nice little side note but yeah, after Luke talks with them for a short period of time, then the Imperials start to show up and are behind them. And Luke says, look, I've got this sorted. You guys can all kind of leave. And the Imperial in charge asks Luke for his identification. He tries to kind of persuade them out of it, but can't. They raise their weapons. And so Luke notes, right, I can't mind trick them all. I can't really fight them all off safely. So he calls upon nature. And who emerges? Loads of corridor ghouls. They smash through the walls nearby and just attack the Imperials. So the family and Luke can all escape. The group of them then get back to the Rebel Alliance fleet. The family are debriefed and seen to to make sure they're all okay and whatnot, but then Luke spoke to them on the way there, and he goes and talks to some of the high-ups at Rebel HQ, you know, Mon Mothma and Hera and things like that, and he basically says that these two individuals are with Crimson Dawn. They are deep cover agents, and Kira activated them. But the reason they've got into contact with the Rebellion is because they were working on the second Death Star. And obviously all the rebel leaders are completely shocked by this and they're all looking very concerned. But the final panel of this comic shows that Mon Mothma believes they can beat it. And she says, let's get to work. So that's where issue 28 ends. So we move on to the finale of this batch, issue 29. 
So this issue, although it does somewhat continue on, it's not about Melton and Bev or any of those people. This is kind of its own little story. As I said, these stories, they are fun, but they're kind of in-between stories between Crimson Reign and Hidden Empire. Uh, so that's why they're all kind of not necessarily meandering. Like, I do like the Death Star plotline. I thought the Death Star 2 thing, how they found out that was quite cool, and I did enjoy that. And this issue I'm about to delve into, I really, really like, but that's because of the High Republic connections that I will delve into shortly. But yeah, I just thought these are cool little uh, stories and uh, I'm sure that as it gets into Hidden Empire, we're going to really ramp them up and stuff. I really want to see Luke build his lightsaber, but Saul said that he believes that the Return of the Jedi lightsaber scene is canon. The like, deleted scene in Return of the Jedi set just before Jabba's palace. Luke's like fixing his lightsaber in a cave. I'd never seen that before until I heard Charles Saul in an interview like a couple years back talking about it because I'd never really watched all the deleted scenes for Star Wars, especially not the original trilogy. It's just not something I ever really thought about doing. And as you can't do the thing that you can do with like Lord of the Rings or certain other movies where you can watch things with deleted scenes included you have to watch them all separately and it's a bit janky because you're like hey watch this entire film and then here's three minutes of just sporadic random footage that doesn't really have context of whether or not it works in the scene and it's like why couldn't I just watch it with the deleted scenes on so that did frustrate me um, but that's a side note of me just whinging about stuff but Saul said that he's probably not going to show Luke building his lightsaber but I hope they're going to like at least get him to find out how to build a lightsaber properly because obviously the one that he's using at the moment is the Jedi Temple Guard lightsaber he found and then obviously the one before that was Anakin's and obviously he lost that in his duel with uh, Vader and Empire Strikes Back so I really want to see that I love lightsaber construction I love anything to do with lightsabers in Star Wars it's like one of my favorite elements so I just want more of it but enough tangents enough ranting Mike let's get to this final comic so issue 29, it starts off with Amelyn Holdo with Leia. Obviously, I already mentioned who Holdo was and things. So along with Leia, she's there with Luke, Lando, Chewie, and Lobot. They're all relaxing by a swimming pool at one of Amelyn Holdo's friend's mansions. So Amelyn and Leia are drinking and talking a little bit. Luke is reading his Jedi book, and Lando seems to be beating Chewie at Game of Sabacc. Chewie gets a little bit annoyed about Lando winning, and so he goes for him, you know, I don't know if it's meant to be playful or aggressive, but he goes for him, Lando ducks, and then in doing that, Chewie slipped on a bit of water next to the pool and falls in. A big splash of water is about to cover Luke and his book, and he just uses a little wave of his fist, and he just waves his hand a little bit, and the water sort of curves back and goes into the water, and then he has a little smirk on his face. It's a really cool little moment in this comic, it's one of my favourites, I really like that, just showing his confidence and attunement with the Force, I really like that part. But then back to Amelyn and Leia, they're sort of chatting and things about business in the Rebellion. And Amelyn notes that the Crimson Dawn contacts given by Kira have just dried up, that just no one's responding to anything. But she does note that she heard that Crimson Dawn is uh, going through some stuff, maybe going through some trouble at the moment. And uh, so they're going to kind of keep an eye on things. And Leia kind of says, you know, why are we here in a sense? And Holdo says, look, you need to uh, relax, okay? You need a break from being near death all the time. You need just to have a little bit of a relax before we delve full force back into the rebellion and whatnot. It's always good just to have a bit of a breather. So they then get all dressed up and things and go to an auction. So at this auction, one of the items on for sale is a Nile strike ship and is on sale for 25,000 credits. Now, the Nile are the main antagonists of Phase 1 of the High Republic. I believe they're likely to be the main antagonists in Phase 3 as well, but Phase 2 is a prequel, so I'm not going to delve all into all that here. But basically, Nile are the baddies in a sense. They're anarchists, space Vikings. They kill innocent people a lot. And one of the ways they traveled around was using a path engine. Uh, so a path engine basically allows the user to traverse hyperspace in a very specific and unique way 
it's quite a bit complicated but the way i would describe it and i have done in my prior um high republic content is basically a normal hyperspace lane is like you're walking in a forest and someone's put like paving down so you know exactly where to go the path engines is going through the woods so you can still go to where you need to be but it's off the beaten path in a sense is that in really really layman's terms well i've seen space travel when you're going faster than light speed it's pretty dangerous because if you're going that quickly and you've got an ever so slight miscalculation then you may hit an asteroid or a planet or something and be completely decimated but yeah these path engines very cool idea and if you want more info about those listen to some of my high republic episodes just type in high republic comics in motion into the podcast app or go to youtube.com slash genuine chit chat and find the high republic playlist so with this Nile strike ship, Holdo is trying to outbid this museum curator for this strike ship. Now, this museum curator has actually appeared in this very comic run before. It was in episode 9, or issue 9 rather, of this comic run, and it's when Lando, Lobot, and the Pathfinders stole the droid who speak the language of Trawak, or Trawak. And that's how the Rebels have been communicating, because the Empire kept decrypting all their communications and things, so they decided to use this old lost language. That was the story arc of, I believe, the second batch of Star Wars comics, I think from issue like 7 to 12. Uh, so if you want to hear about that, go back and listen to episode 78 of Star Wars comics and canon or check out the Star Wars main run of comics playlist on my YouTube. But back to the story. So Holdo is continuing to try and outbid this museum curator, but Lando says to stop doing it because if you outbid him and you win, it's going to attract far too much attention. And especially we've got three people who are masked. And if they looked a little bit further into it, they would see that you all match the details of some people the Empire is hunting. So try to avoid that. What we'll do, we'll let him win and then we'll go back and take the ship back later. They did kind of ponder having Luke try and use a mind trick on the museum curator, but Lando said that'd be a terrible idea because it's just going to further the suspicion and stuff around us. And also Luke said that he was feeling a little bit clouded by what he thinks is the dark side around him and stuff at the moment, so uh, he would kind of struggle to be able to do that. So a little bit later on, you've got some stormtroopers that are guarding the strike ship that the curator has won. Luke distracts them using his lightsaber. He's in the darkness. You just see a yellow lightsaber ignite. They all kind of go towards it and start to panic. And Luke manages to deflect all of these bolts and whatnot with absolute ease. And then the rebels open fire and cut down the rest of them. So the ship is now theirs. Luke cuts through the hull in the side and then cuts a big old circle out of it as per Holder's instructions and then she goes in and pulls out a path engine and a little bit later on she confirms that what they're trying to look for is the Keserat Convoy. So the Keserat Convoy is basically this convoy that was lost like a couple of centuries ago which had loads of fuel and supplies and all kinds of other stuff. They are connected to the Bind Guild. Now the Bind Guild are first mentioned in the Into the Dark book by Claudia Gray which is in Phase 1, Wave 1 of the High Republic. It's the young adult novel of Wave 1 and it's got a character called Affy Hollow in it. So Affy Hollow is the adopted daughter of Skova and Skova is one of the leaders of the Bind Guild. So you get a bit of the plotline to do with the Binds from Affy. Now Affy is also in the Star Wars Adventures comics and she does feature more in the Fallen Star book as well, obviously by Claudia Gray. Um, Affy is part of the Vessel crew uh, along with Leox Gaiassi and also everyone's favourite, Geode. But yeah, so that was around the High Republic era, just this uh, mining guild basically disappeared and took loads and loads of supplies with them and people have been trying to search for it ever since. So Holdo confirms that she's got this garbled message, um, which may actually work out. So her kind of gamble here was trying it out with this Nile technology that's on her ship. So this ship doesn't really seem to do anything. She puts in the, the message into it. It doesn't activate or play it or anything like that. And Holdo says, well, it was a long shot. She was kind of chasing ghosts, which is what Lando says. And then some TIE fighters start to show up. So they decide to try and, you know, fly away and things. 
Sir Holder gets behind the controls, launches the ship and flies away. But as the ship is flying, it's showing that the path engine starts to kind of glow and things like that. She's continuing to outfly these TIE fighters and whatnot who destroy her friend's mansion completely and then the path engine ignites without them really knowing and then shoots them through hyperspace. But it doesn't look like the normal blue streaks of hyperspace. This hyperspace is like red and crimson and dark and swirling and things. They're all confused as to what on earth is actually going on and then they come out of this strange hyperspace experience which was using the paths and they appear in no space by what looks to be the great hall and that is where this comic ends so no space is a place that the nile used to go to and specifically the great hall that was the nile hangout in a sense in the main books so like the jedi rising storm and the fallen star as well as in the audio drama the tempest runner you get a lot more information on no space and the great hall and how the kind of nile interacted with that obviously that at this point was about 250 ish years ago and so it's derelict from what you can see they only get to kind of the edge of it i wonder if we're going to see some remnants of the nile you know couple centuries later i imagine not uh, but we'll see about that but that is where they end up so very much a high republic kind of end to this and i'm very excited to see where these next few issues go because i'm really interested to see what they kind of make of no space i imagine it's not going to be like ridiculously into the high republic law like we're not going to find out what happened to marky on row or anything in the main run of Star Wars comics because that will completely spoil phase three of the high republic when that all comes out but yeah, I just really, really liked the way this kind of ended. So uh, yeah, that's the end of issue 29 and this batch of comics. So my friends, that is the end of the episode as a whole. Thank you so much for listening. As always, please make sure you rate and review and share with your friends and do all that usual good stuff. So what have we got coming up and what else am I kind of up to? So next week, it may be the Dr. Afro batch of comics or the Darth Vader batch of comics, but I believe I'm not getting my comic delivery for those until either later in the month or potentially even January, because I normally just get one batch of comics, which is normally like 10 or 12 comics ago. So we'll see about that. If I do get Vader or Afro, then I will do the next batch of those. If not, I imagine one of the next episodes will be Star Wars 25, which has four short stories in there from different eras of Star Wars, all connecting to different bits of content contents that'll be a nice fun one and then i've also got the star wars revelations number one um, i have not yet read that but I, th- I need to check where that kind of falls in the timeline with dr afra darth vader and these other comics and things just to make sure nothing really gets spoiled so those are two things that are on the table at the moment obviously i am reading the high republic books at the moment but i'm not far enough through the path of deceit to be able to finish it and do a review before christmas i have recorded a review for kirsten white's padawan book um, which is with obi-wan and things so i may release that um, as a sort of christmas special um, because i normally release on my patreon but i think i may release it on here Um, i've also due to record my thoughts on the force collector young adult book as well uh, which is by i think it's kevin shinnick and i imagine i'll be recording that and releasing that probably just on patreon but i'll I'll kind of figure out about that so i imagine the next couple weeks is probably gonna be styles 25 and then probably the padawan book review i'll see if there's anything else that kind of pops up i've got tales of the rancor that's due to be delivered to me quite soon which is the kevin scott collection of horror stories so it's kind of like a spiritual sequel to ghosts or tales of vader's castle obviously i've tackled all three batches of those and then now the publishing for all ages star wars comics isn't with idw anymore it's with dark horse now so they've kind of reset a few things in that regard but there's not going to be any more vader's castle stories to my knowledge but tales of the rancor pit is going to be quite similar so uh, we'll see about that see when that arrives see if i enjoy that that much if i do it this year or early next year we'll kind of see but that's what you can expect over the next few weeks obviously i'll do a little bit of a break of christmas but i imagine i'll just pop up a couple of patreon things or or whatever but 
yeah, so the goal is in the next month, the next batch of Dr. Aphra, the next batch of Darth Vader, Star Wars Revelations 1, Star Wars Issue 25, the Padawan book review, and probably Tales from the Rancor's Pit. And then in some later episodes, I'll give some more information on what the plan will be for 2023. But that's what you can expect coming up. Uh, what else have I got going on? Well, I recently launched my own feed of Star Wars comics in canon. Uh, I'm only, like, as of releasing this, I've only actually put up, like, three episodes on there. I'm hoping to try and release a few episodes a week, so it will eventually have caught up with this very feed. Not because I have anything wrong with Star Wars comics in canon being on Comics in Motion. I love the Comics in Motion family. Obviously, the whole reason I have this show is because of that, and collaborating with them and being on their feed is amazing, and I'll continue to release this on this feed, so fear not, friends. But if anyone is listening to this and they just want to have a feed that is exclusively the Star Wars content, it's a lot easier to scroll through when you're trying to find a specific episode. You can just either search in the feed itself or just scroll through it, and you can just basically go on that feed, start from square one, and go from there. So I have started that feed. You can listen to it on the majority of podcast apps. There's just a few places that are awaiting approval and things. But if you type in Star Wars Comics in Canon into the podcast players, then it should come up. But as I said, there are a few places that I'm still getting those sorted. So make sure you keep an eye out for that. Please go and subscribe to that. It would really, really help out. Uh, and uh, if you listen to an episode or two on there, because it's the older ones, the older episodes on there at the moment. So if there's any you haven't listened to, listen to them and give me a little rating. It would really help the show kind of bump up a bit. But yeah, I just thought I'd mention that. And then once it's all come up and running and up to date and stuff, I'll start promoting that a bit more. But on top of that, uh, I've done, you know, guest spots generally. I appeared on Ike's Flame a little while ago. I appeared on Frank Burton's I Like the Sound a little while ago. Um, there's some other comics and motion stuff going on. Like, obviously, there are the and or discussion shows. So if you want to hear, like, me or uh, any of the variety of guests we've had on the and or discussion show their sort of thoughts on Andor, make sure you check those out. Obviously, go over to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash genuine chit chat. There are playlists of all my genuine chit chat interview conversations on there. There's all the times I've just spoken about Star Wars on there. Uh, there's all the times I've spoken about nothing to do with Star Wars, which is the vast majority of the time. There's all my Star Wars comics and canon episodes. A lot of them are in playlists as well, like the Darth Vader playlist I mentioned before. There's a place just for Dr. Afro, just for the main run of Star Wars comics, just ones which is just like bio information. So if you just want like a deep dive into certain characters in the canon, things like that. The YouTube channel is a really great place to kind of see everything I've kind of been doing and, and um, up to, as well as follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook at Genuine Chit Chat. In addition to that, you know, sharing and reviewing and telling your friends about it, all that sort of jazz, a way you can really help support the show is going to patreon.com slash genuine chit chat. For as little as one pound a month, you get access to loads and loads of additional content. So there's hours and hours and hours, like 120 odd episodes of E Afterthought, which mainly myself and Megan do. On there, I've released Star Wars Legends book reviews, the Darth Bane books, uh, Darth Plagueis, Shatterpoint. I've just listened to the first X-Wing books, so Rogue Squadron. That'll be on there soon. I'm going to listen to Darth Maul Shadowhunter. I'm going to continue with the Rogue Squadron books. I'm listening to Revan at the moment, so more Old Republic things. So I'm dotting all over the timeline in Star Wars Legends, um, so I only release Star Wars Legends stuff on my Patreon. In addition to that, there is a couple of exclusive canon book reviews on there, like there's A New Dawn, which is the prequel to Star Wars Rebels, so that's on there. And obviously, as I already mentioned, I'm going to release Force Collector on there at some point too. So as myself and Megan reviewing TV shows, reviewing movies, reviewing live performances we saw, like of the Lion King musical and of Book of Mormon and Les Miserables, things like that. We go to the cinema and watch stuff. So if you would consider supporting the show, you not only help me out, which means the absolute world to me, but you will also get hours and hours of additional content. You get an RSS feed given to you that you can pop in the podcast player of your choice, and then you can just go through all of those Patreon episodes. So link to that is in the description as well. 
But that's enough for me, my friends. Thank you so much for listening, as always. I appreciate each and every one of you listening all the way up to this rambly end. I hope you're having a fun holiday season and a merry Christmas so far. Uh, please make sure you subscribe to the feed of Comics in Motion, subscribe to my YouTube channel, and then go check out Styles Comics and Canon on its own lovely little feed as well. That would really help me out. But thank you so much, my friends. I will talk to you next week with either Afro, Vader, or Styles 25, I imagine. Uh, and then we'll see where we go from there. But thank you so much. I'll speak to you next week. And as always, may the force be with you. The intro for Star Wars Comics and Canon is arranged by myself, Mike Burton, and the backing music was made by Eric Matias of soundimage.org. You have just experienced host, creator, everything else of genuine chit-chat, and also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon, found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton. Hi, I'm Allison Shelton, writer and creator of the indie comic Reburn. You may have heard about us on Indie Comics Spotlight, thanks to Tony and Rhea. Reburn follows May, a superpowered woman who takes on the cult-like utopian society that ripped her life apart. Our comic picks up when she's ready to burn it all down. We're incredibly proud of our all-female team, myself, Artist Elise McCall, editor Jessica Patel, colorist Hilary Jenkins, and letterer Joan McGill. Renowned comic writer and artist Kari Andrews said of Reburn, It's an impressive debut, a violent, visceral, and emotion-fueled spectacle. A story you need to read right now. We agree. And we have hard copies and digital copies of issues one through four available on our website, reburncomic.com. That's R-E-B-U-R-N comic. Dot com. Check it out.